This is Learned It From An 80s Song. I am your coach, Patricia Freiberg. This is I Love The 80s meets the healing of storytelling and the positive impact of music. Inspiring guests share their powerful stories, yielding incredible strengths. Through both story and music, this podcast will elevate your mood, providing you with a positive outlook. It will ignite recall so that you can tap into your own life experiences. We don't just hear the knowledge and wisdom gained from our podcast guests. Through powerful story, we can live it. Today, we have a very special guest. Please welcome Maggie Jones. Maggie Jones is a U.S. American who moved to the Netherlands with her husband, four-year-old, and Labradoodle in June of 2022. She earned her master's degree in school counseling from Loyola University, Maryland in 2014. She is twice published in the Journal of Counseling and Development. She has spent the past decade working in public schools to support the well-being of her students and families. Upon moving to the Netherlands, She took a leave of absence from counseling to focus on her family and her own well-being. She entertains herself by making videos about living abroad on TikTok. You can find her there at MJ underscore abroad. Welcome, Maggie. It is so great to have you here on Learned It From, an 80s song. And I just have to share how you to our audience how I learned of her. So I am new to the, to the TikToks. <laughs> I am new to TikTok and I just decided, you know, I was going through one day and since I post a lot about expat, the, the algorithms come up and Maggie came up on my algorithm because she's an expat, you know, from the, and she lives in the Netherlands. So I just, I loved everything that she had to say. And I was like, yes, I agree with that. It was like so reassuring to see her TikTok. And so I have not reached out to anybody on TikTok. I I think I might have 11 followers or I might be following nine people. I don't really know. But, uh, you know, my algorithm was, you know, a a lot based on my niece who's in college and dances on TikTok. So you can imagine my algorithm was like mostly dancing college girls and and then the occasional expat. (laughs) And so I reached out and I said, hey, you know, would you consider coming on learned it from an 80s song and and sharing a little bit about you know what your experience is like in the Netherlands and and coming from the United States and then when i got maggie's you know bio from the google doc and all of that i thought oh my gosh we have so much in common and i just really couldn't wait to have this conversation it's it's i'm just so grateful that you're here today so thank you again maggie for being on the show thank you so much what a fun introduction <laughs> Yeah, I, I am so happy that you found my TikToks. I, I started doing that just for fun to kind of entertain myself because, you know, some major things in my life have recently changed and and it's become like a tiny little community that I absolutely love and didn't expect to. I have one dancing video on TikTok and yeah. um, I'm not proud. <laughs> <laughs> hey, don't get me wrong. I'm all, I like dancing. I just, you know. <laughs> yeah. Dance all you want, everybody. Be free. So yeah, so this is the part of the show where we have the big reveal 
as to what song choice from the 1980s Maggie will be choosing today. So without further ado, can I get a drum roll, please? Maggie, what is the song that best resonates with the story you're going to tell us today? I chose I Won't Back Down by Tom Petty. So good. Such a great song. Such a great story. And of course, as you guys all know, I do go down the rabbit hole. And I did on Wikipedia on I Won't Back Down. So this song is obviously uh, Tom Petty. And it was from his first solo album, Full Moon Fever. And it actually came out in April of 1989. Now, it was number 12 on the Billboard Hot 100. And the song uh, charted for about five weeks. And it started its album's road to multi-platinum so status. So, I mean, amazing album. But it's interesting. So I, ha- so I went down the, the rabbit hole and I found some really cool things because, you know, Maggie's going to share how the song resonates with her today. But, but for me, you know, it really feels a lot about resilience. And, and so as I was reading, interestingly, Petty recalled in this Mojo magazine that uh, George Harrison, who was singing and, um, and played guitar when they were recording, apparently Petty had a really terrible cold. And, you know, George went to the store and got him some ginger and put his head in the pot to get the, you know, the juices flowing and to help him some, you know, help him with his sinuses. And lo and behold, he went right in and did that take. And so like, how nice is it that first off, like, I can't imagine producing this song, you know, with a cold, like that's, that's incredible. And I guess, you know, that's the show must go on. I imagine in Hollywood in 1988 and 1989, you can't just go record the next day or what have you. And then I, then I started looking at some of the critical reception. So part of being in academia as I have (laughs) in the past year. The one thing I struggled the most with was, um, was my criticality. I, like, I needed to put more critical review into my papers, right? So now I'm like, what about this song didn't, did people say that was critical, right? And I want to debunk it. So what they had said, so this is from the Scottish pop band Win reviewed the song in, on May 13th in 1989 in the issue of a British music newspaper called A Record Mirror. So what they had said was that this, this is what they said about the song, Petty. They said, he's definitely got old. He's definitely gotten old before his time and has surrounding himself with his heroes. And then another person echoed it and said, he seems to have willed himself into becoming a 40 years old has been. And, you know, those were just two, you know, two reviews here. But I mean, then there were also amazing reviews, right? Which is, is sure to leave its mark in the buildup to the release of his forthcoming LP. So obviously now, like, look, looking back, right, what they had said, and then look at the power of this song, which has been used in a lot of political, you know, 9-11, you know, this song is used to represent strength and endurance. And this is just, in my opinion, as I was reading and reflecting on it, you know, yeah, these negative reviews are going to come in, but yeah, he didn't back down, did he? 
And he just kept moving forward and got a multi, multi platinum album and amazing musician, amazing time, amazing song. Thank you so much for bringing this one in today. I love this song. And I, I mean, it just is so like the lyrics are so simple. Like it's not, it's not like lyrically blowing anybody away, but I think that's one of the things that's so beautiful about it. It's just that it can, I mean, without a whole lot of talking, without a whole lot of like, you know, poetic language, it just gets right to the heart of it, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) Well said. So Maggie, share with us a little bit about your story today. Sure. So Well, as you shared, I moved to the Netherlands with my family in June of 2022. I have now five-year-old, she was four when we moved, and my husband, my dog, and I took a leave of absence from my work to do that and in support of my husband. So he was recruited by a Dutch company to come here, and that's how we ended up here. But the lead up to this choice that we made to come was, is is like the story that I want to share and that I want to talk about. And in the, in the three years, in I'll say three years just to encapsulate it. But in the three years leading up to us moving here, there were some of the hardest years of my life. I was grieving the loss of several pregnancies. I was sort of coming to terms slowly with with the vicarious trauma that I was experiencing as a counselor in schools and the kind of professional burnout that I was hinging on and starting to experience. And, And burnout can take a really long time, but coming to terms with that, just that that is what was happening with me. And that at the same time, I had been recently diagnosed with obsessive compulsive disorder and sort of accepting that as a, someone who works in the mental health space and a learning to be non, non-judgmental toward myself as I am toward other people struggling. These are all the things that were happening in the couple of years leading up to this choice. And so it was divine intervention that this opportunity to move abroad came up for different reasons for all of the, the various members of my family. Wow. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Of course. Yeah. It's amazing. I'd love to hear a little bit about, you know, that, oh yeah. So you moved in June of 22, you said? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So like eight, nine months ago, somewhere like yes. that. Yes. Okay. Okay. Yes. I'm here a year and a half in Switzerland and I'd love to hear now at eight or nine months, we're getting close to a year, you know, kind of Mm -hmm. how, you know, how have you seen things change for you? You know, has there been able to be some healing through it? I'm I'm sorry for that your losses prior to this. And I can definitely, um, the burnout is real in the mental health field as I experienced that as well, which is how I, when I saw your bio and, and saw that I was like, wow. Yes, I wasn't alone, you know, in that. Yeah, and it can feel so, so isolating and lonely, even though it's so common. I think especially in education, there's this pressure to like to, um, perhaps it's self-imposed. Like, certainly I I did that enough to myself. (laughs) Yes. Pressure to kind of um, like put on that brave face, like get out there and just keep doing it, keep doing it. And if you're making one little difference, then that's, that's what you need to hold on to. And certainly that helps. But, you know, I think it just, I just, when it comes down to it, wasn't taking care of myself in the way that I needed to. So this experience, you know, talking about in that eight or nine, eight or nine months we've been here, what has there been an opportunity for healing? Enormous. It has changed. It has changed my life. And I think that if, you know, 
if and when we go back to the States and if and when I, I, you know, return from this leave of absence that I've taken, which, you know, very grateful for my school system that, that gives employees this opportunity in, in various situations. If I do that and I'm success, I will only be successful and I will only be able to rejoin that field as a result of having this time to heal. Yes. I know. I mean, not to sound too heavy, but that's the, that's no, the reality I, for, for me. Yeah. No, no. And I think what's so fascinating, I, I actually, so we had took this course in graduate school called Positive, it was Flourishing Within Organizations. And I just, you're, when you hear this, I think you will be really intrigued. So, you know, I'm, I'm quite, I'm older than you are. And I, uh, I, I was in the mental health field. This would go back to early 2000s. And I worked in the school system and I, I burned out. You know, I, uh, I didn't do all the, th I thought I was doing the things necessary to take care of myself, like go to the gym and do all these things. Yes. And, you know, and I wasn't, I, I, you know, I also not to get too, I don't think the system supported me in my mental health either. I think we were also, you know, the mental health crisis, you know, has increased through COVID and I, and I would be interested to hear a little bit more about that from you. But what I did find is that during that time, the system really didn't support the mental health of the practitioners. And I would work, I would tell you what I made. I was, I was, uh, this was after graduate school, my first graduate degree. I made $24,000 and I worked around the clock often, you know, um, whether it's writing notes after work, whether, you know, whatever it was. So I love the work because I felt it was a, ca a calling for me. You know, I wanted to care for others. I wanted to support others. I really enjoyed it. And work is a calling. That's a whole nother subject. I won't go down that. We'll talk about that some other time, but it does lend itself to over-engagement and work, right? And for me, that was, you know, I was absolutely engaged in my work and I really wanted to make a difference, but this, the system didn't support us. And, and there were, there were, yeah. So I'm going to leave it at that. But what I will yeah. say is that I wrote a paper in this course. So talk about healing. So I did all this academic research on burnout for mental health counselors. And I created a six-week program to help build resilience for those. And work is calling for a lot of counselors and therapists. That is very much part, that, you know, oftentimes. And so anyway, I created, it was so therapeutic to actually create something for with a very minimal budget, you know, like I had to put myself into that back into that place, you know, in early, you know, 2000s of, you know, you know, not much funding, right? Not much funding at all and create this program. And I, it was so therapeutic for me just to look at, to go back down that road and heal. And I'm doing it here in Switzerland, right? So it's like, it's given me sometimes, you know, the expression where you take space away. And I don't know if this has been your experience, but how, you know, things become more to get that bird's eye view, I guess you could say, like enough time has passed, enough distance is placed between me and that, and that challenging time that then now I have that perspective, right? Yeah. Yeah. And it's catharsis. It sounds also like catharsis, you know, yes. to be able to then not only just heal and sort of look at something that happened from a bird's eye perspective and a third eye and sort of reflect, but also turn, get some, turn, turn something positive, turn, turn something. What am I trying to say? Create something. Yes. 
yes, create something for yourself and for others. I think that's that's the best thing we can hope for out of the difficulties we experience. Yes, you, you know, because there's a purpose for them. I'm not sure that I'm somebody who believes like everything happens for a reason. Right. I don't love that. It feels trite to me. I, I don't begrudge anybody else who does who for whom that resonates. But what resonates with me much more is this idea of like what's for you will not pass you. What is for you will not pass you. And I have said it to myself. I mean, my sister gave me a, like a bracelet that said it when I was experiencing some of my initial like first few uh, pregnancy losses. And and it was. I mean, it was. I, I clung to it. <laughs> yeah. But but every turn I have made since in my life, it has turned out to be the case. And so the, I mean, the one, the, the thing that I'm able to look at now, when I look at, was I on the precipice of just like fizzling out like a match in this work that I cared so much about yes. was like, okay, well, this was for me. This experience was for me. Yes. And I must go through it in order to get to the other side to figure out and to create something good out of it. And so I'm not sure what that is yet, but we're going to get there. <laughs> hey, you know, absolutely. This is 20 years ago we're talking about. I was trying to do the math in my head. This is 20 yeah. years ago. And I'm still wow. processing those years, those wow. early years. And, and I think just life took over, right? But, it's, but like what you're saying, it's like th there's a reason. There is something that's going to come out of it. You don't know what that is yet because we need to have that hindsight. We need that healing to be able to, to get to this point, right? And yeah. um, where we feel like we can, I mean, I haven't done anything with my paper. Don't get me wrong, but I plan to, you know, um, I plan to help those who are helping others. And that was my, that was my whole goal behind it. Like, how can we support those in the trenches of COVID-19, you know, with the mental health crisis off the charts? And, and, yeah. and I know within the mental health community, it was such a challenging is and continues to be because we're not out yet of, of the repercussions of, of COVID, obviously, and what had happened during those years, right, for people in mental health. How did you find it in the school system? So you were still working in the school system prior to COVID? Or I mean, not prior, I mean, um, during yeah. COVID? Yeah, so I was, I am a school counselor. That's what I, I, I studied. That's what my master's is in. And so school counselors aren't therapists. We're not doing therapy in schools. Many school counselors are practicing therapists outside of the schools, but in schools, it's like a, you know, their counselors are working with academic advising, social, emotional health. Um, and then a lot of like, at, as needed mental health, initial, like short-term brief mental health counseling, and a lot of referring out and helping connect families to resources that can help them long-term. What ended up happening is that especially after COVID, there were so many immediate needs. There's, there were just, there's so many that like, and this, I think school systems are run by people who care a lot. There are a lot of people who care in school systems and who are trying to solve problems and are trying to get more mental health treatment available. But it's, it's similar to what happens with school nurses, right? Is in really high needs communities where, you know, perhaps access to like physical health treatment isn't available. School nurses become like the default to where people are going to get their treatment, you know, yes. and they're like, and that's sort of what happens in with school counselors. And so it was a lot of crisis counseling, a lot of assessment about harm to self and harm to others daily. And a lot of, unfortunately, a lot of terrible things happen to children when they are not at school all of the time. Yes. And when, you know, it, a lot of really important 
<laughs> needs arise. And it was, for me, it was like an onslaught. Um, and I, I, I'm not going to speak to any other counselor's experiences because there are some really amazing ones that, that are like still doing it and they're still able to be present and they're still able to work through it. But what I felt like I was needing was some like debriefing after these kind of critical incidents would occur. And what would happen is because of the nature of schools and how they run and the resources that were available is like we would have these critical incidents, sometimes several a day, sometimes several a week, and then no debriefing. It was like move on to academic advising or move on to a right. classroom lesson or move on to helping an angry parent or talking to a teacher or, you know, going to a meeting or, and it was like, there was never any debriefing when you're taking that on and you're doing it in a, in a way where you're really present and available. You have to access a lot of personal vulnerability to do that. And yeah, so that's sort of where I struggled. Yes. Well, and then you brought up earlier the vicarious trauma and vicarious trauma is real. You know, when you, or they call it uh, also secondary trauma, right? Mm -hmm. Where you, you know, are experiencing through listening to the stories or the experiences that the children are having or the parents are having. And it's very hard to hear it secondhand or hear it firsthand from them, an experience that they had it's trauma. It's traumatizing to hear it, especially when you care deeply about the children as, you know, I did as a yeah. counselor and I know you do. So I, and not having a place to process that or debrief, like you said, or the time and space to do it, because it felt like at least from the therapists and counselors I talked to during the time, there just wasn't the, there, there was not this, the time there was so much coming at them at all times that there was just, there was no moment to process their own emotions around what's going on. That resonates what you just said so deeply. And actually, I think it would resonate with a lot of people in the school system, in school systems, and certainly the ones that I know, and I'm thinking of, as I say this, that it is not for a lack of like desire to do good work on the behalf of educators and even educators that go into administration and go into like running school systems. It is not a lack of genuine care for children or genuine desire to help or genuine like knowledge that there are needs and that their staff have needs as well. It's just a lack of time and resources. I can't, I can't like, and it's everyone. It is everyone yeah. working in the school in every role. Yes. So yes. it's, it's wild. And they're, everybody's just, they're trying their best. They really, really are all of them. Yes. A hundred percent. Agreed. And I'm part of this uh, mental health initiative here in Switzerland. And I go to the meetings every so often. And, and while I'm not practicing now as a therapist counselor, I, I do a lot of coaching, right? I do it through that realm. So, and also there's a lot of rules around uh, Switzerland with, with yeah. licenses and things like that. So it's just easier for me to put a coaching hat on and I can yeah. help, you know, with, with some, some mental health concerns that come up, but I, you know, but I'll, but I stay in my lane. So, but what I would say is that what we're finding here in Switzerland is that the demand is high for the need, the demand. We need more practitioners. We need more people, but it's, it's hard to jump through all these hoops in order to be recognized by the country, you know? So, and, and it's not just here, you know, we, where we have this in the U S as well. And I was board certified counselor clinical counselor, like LCMHC. I don't remember all the LCPC. Different ones in different states, states, you know? Um, Why isn't there reciprocity? Like that's something that I would love to advocate for on a grander scale, like reciprocity. I mean, I mean, I mean, mean, come on. 
And I, that's why I, and you know what? Not <laughs> coupled with the burnout, coupled with the burnout when I moved to California and that and jumping through those hoops, no reciprocity. I was like, all right, well, I'm going to change careers then. And so they just lost, they lost a counselor because of it. And so, mm-hmm. I, you know, I was, I was good at what I did. You know, I did burn out, but you know, I do things differently now, you know, and yeah, yeah. But they're losing people. They're losing the people left and right because of all these red tapes, rules, you know, and yet it's skyrocketing. The need for mental health, it, it has not plateaued. We are still in a state oh, no. of crisis where we need all hands on deck, right? But we also need to protect those that are serving, right? They need to protect those people and you and the counselors and the schools, et cetera. I mean, slow clap. I uh, am. <laughs> I could could, could not agree more. (laughs) Exactly. We're pitching the choir here, but we could really go down this. I could keep going and going, but it's just, I wish, I I wish that I would like to know we, you and I will, we will keep in contact and feel like, you know, and figure out what we can do on a bigger scale to make change. It just feels like this, the, it just, the, uh, the road ahead feels very steep and treacherous, like the, like the Swiss Alps here, you know, as I'm looking out the window. (laughs) It's, uh, it's, it's hard what a to view that must be yeah. <laughs> It is a beautiful view, but yeah, the, the road up is, is, is challenging, but I think it's a necessity yeah, and, and it's hard to, as counselors and therapists out there in the community now, you know, it's hard for them to advocate on a larger scale for change and yet still serve the community at the same time. You know, we need people who are just there to support the mental health professionals to help make change. We need a lot, a lot, a lot more money than anybody realizes for education. I don't care how much money everybody complains that we spend on education. We need so much Much more of it. If they want want education to be a one-stop shop for (laughs) everyone's needs for everything, then we need a lot more money. (laughs) Yes, we do. And and safety and all the things that are going on right now. Yes. So turning a little bit to, cause we could, I could continue to go on and on about this. Um, but if, if, audience, if you're listening and, and you are passionate about this, you know, reach out to us, you know, you, you'll, you'll know how to get a, in touch with Maggie on TikTok or reach out to me. You know, I think that supporting the mental health field and professionals is, is of the utmost importance right now. So it really is a call to action. So reach out and let's, let's try to make some change in this. Maggie, I have to ask, you know, you picked an amazing song, I Won't Back Down, and I'd love to hear how this song resonates with you. So mostly because it inspires courage and it brings like this lightness to these things that can feel so insurmountable, burnout, not having the resources to help people in the way that you want to be able to help them, struggling with your own grief or your loss or or struggling with you know, whatever it is, anxiety, depression, in my case, obsessive compulsive disorder, it brings this like levity to it that I get, I'm not sure if you can tell, I tend to go like real deep, real fast. And uh, (laughs) I just can't help it. It's who I am. It's not something I'm ashamed of anymore. But like that line, there's this line that, hey, baby, there ain't no easy way out. That is just so like, okay, well, I got to get to the other side and this is how I have to do it. So let's, let's dig deep. And I, it's a courageous thing to do to turn inward. It is a courageous thing to do. And sometimes you just need Tom Petty to sing it to you. (laughs) Yes. Yes, I do. I was listening to Tom Petty all morning. Yes. I appreciate that. And it's, it, there is no easy way out. And I feel like the most learning, I think if there was an easy way out, we wouldn't get the learning 
from it. And I feel yeah. like that's, that has been the biggest takeaways, you know, as I gave the example of writing that paper, processing something from 20 years ago, you know, there wasn't an easy way out, but the, the learning came much, much later for me, you know, when yeah. I'd reflected. Yeah. And also, you know, there's like that one line, I've got just one life. Like there's, yes. it, it's just like, you can crawl into a hole if you want to, if you don't want to face everything that you've got because we've all got it, whatever it is, we've got it. I've got it. You've got it. Anybody yeah, listening got has it. got it. Like you've got some stuff right. and we can, we can easily avoid. And this is something I was doing, especially with the OCD diet, like the OCD that I was experiencing. I was kind of just, I was compartmentalizing it in order to focus on work and give as much as I could to the kids and the families. And I was compartmentalizing and compartmentalizing and then it would spike and I would be like, oh, I got to deal with this. Yeah. And I would go through the spike and then I would be like, Whew, okay, that's over. Yeah, right. yeah. I'm going to go back. I'm going to go back to my real self rather than like, like synthesize all the parts of me together yes. and just yes. be all one, be yes. all one person. And that that's enough. And like I am and that there's like nothing wrong with me and, you know, all of that kind of stuff. That all takes an enormous amount of courage. It's something I'm really proud of. I was compartmentalizing the living, you know what, out of my life. <laughs> right. And it doesn't do anyone any good. The compartments get full. So if you don't yes. like open them up and like air right. them out. <laughs> exactly. Do some... It just sits there. Yeah. yeah. Yes. And then it seeps out, right? You can't yeah. close the ca yeah. cabinet door anymore. Like leaky pipes, like water yeah. will find the crack yes. in a leaky pipe. It will find its way out. And so will this if you don't take a deeper look. So Yes. Yes. And I, you know... I, I think it's really interesting that you brought up bravery, which kind of, uh, and, and courage that you brought up just because it makes me think of the via strengths, which we talk about on this episode yeah. and the via strengths are, you know, 24 character strengths, uh, that are who you are, you know, to your core are your signature strengths. So those are the first, you know, three to five, or actually they even say three to seven can be your signature strengths. And What's interesting, as I was reading today about the Via Strengths, and, and once again, this is uh, Peterson and Seligman who first came up with this assessment, and you can actually take the questionnaire online. It's absolutely free. And there's so many benefits from living and working within your strengths. But what I was reading and reflecting on today, as I knew I was talking to you was, and then also from this past episode where I shared that bravery is my number 24 of or 23 of 24 strength. So I am not, I, I was joking. That was like the cowardly lion, you know? And, um, so I've had to lean into bravery, like nonstop, you know, as an expat. And so what it made oh, yeah. me think about was, as I was reading this morning, the statistics around that we actually can develop strengths. So while they're actually a little more fluid than you know, some research shows that, you know, it, there is a lot to be said for your signature strengths and that they really are stable. And that is true. You know, there's a lot of research behind that. But there's also research and especially now about how we can actually develop strengths and they can shift then in order. And I, I was looking at your amazing package of strengths which you have. And I'm, if you don't mind, I can read them off to everybody. Sure. So her number one strength is love, which I can absolutely feel just talking to you. Curiosity is number two. Social intelligence is three. Love of learning is four. And then bravery is your number five and perspective. So I, you know, I wonder, you know, do you think that 
you know, has bravery always been in your youth? Do you think that that may have been one that may have shifted or gone up a little bit based on your experience of moving to the Netherlands? You know, what do Mm -hmm. you think? Or, Or even looking at acknowledging and starting to work through OCD diagnosis, you know, that takes a great deal of bravery as you were speaking and talking about how, you know, you kind of compartmentalized and kept them both separate, but then meeting it head on and then starting to work through it. I wondered, you know, that takes a lot of bravery as well. Yeah. Thank you for saying that. It does. It feels, it feels that way. I mean, it, it definitely feels like something that's always been a part of me, but that, you know, like being willing to just kind of walk into something difficult. But yeah, since coming to the Netherlands, I've had this time and space, right? Because I'm on the leave of absence from work. So I'm here with my family. I'm here with myself. (laughs) And that can be a real scary thing when you're used to going 100 miles an hour every day. Or when you're living in a survival mode, like when you're just doing, and then all of a sudden it stops. (laughs) It's like, it's taken a, an, yeah, I do think that I have that cultivated more bravery and, and because I don't think I could have, honestly, I, without the opportunity to do this, to come and live this life here, I'm not sure that I would have had the ability to get myself off of like the hamster wheel to do what I needed to do to take care of myself so that I could take care of other people. Like, I don't think I could have, I wasn't in a place where I was like, okay, I can just, I'll just meditate and I'll, do my skincare routine and I'll go for a hike because these are things that bring me joy, right? I'll play the guitar and I'll watch, you know, I'll spend quality time with my family and it will just fix everything. Like I was not, I was past that point. <laughs> yeah. Yes. So, so it is an act of bravery, I think, to sit and look at yourself when you don't have anybody else around, when you're a million miles away from your family and your friends and all of the people who love you and who make you feel like yourself when you don't feel like yourself. Nice. So that's been, I think, something I that I that through this opportunity of becoming an, an expat in, in the Netherlands, I've been able to be brave enough to look and say, you know, this is this is what I needed. This is where this came from. If I'm not gonna burn out in any other work that I do, I need to look at myself and I need yes. to look at what I need to look at how I define my worth and value so that I don't let myself get to that point. I need to learn how to take care of myself yes. truly, like learn how to take care of myself. I, yeah. I don't like the term self-care. I think it's a little like, yeah, I get it. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah, like it can a, be a little word. contrived and it can be a little bit like, well, you need some self-care. Then it becomes very accusatory, you know, yeah. or like, you know, but you're going to add that to my plate. Like I'm already telling yeah. you I'm burned out and now I got to take care of myself. Like, I don't have that capacity, you know, like yeah. at that time, at that moment. Exactly. Exactly. Right. And so, yeah, but it's, it is so much easier just to uh, live every day and function every day and, and do what you have to do. And, but it's not nearly as fulfilling. I didn't, I'm starting to feel whole for the first time, I think ever. And I'm, you know, I'm in my late thirties and I just like, that's been the biggest gift of this experience. Like I had my kid. That was my biggest gift. You know? Yes. And congratulations. But, again. And, and I know it was a hard road to get there and yeah. a challenging road. And, and I'm so, so happy for you. Thank you. 
Thank you. Yeah, she is a gift. She's a gift in so many ways. But so is this opportunity to be like, I need to be, if I'm going to, I need to live like all of the, ver- I need to live with all of the pieces of me at the same time and learn how to take care of them and like learn that that person is enough if I'm not going to burn out in another, you know, when I go back yeah. to work. Yes, I hear you. And I'm good for you for learning that in your late 30s because uh, <laughs> it, it's taken me a little longer to get there. I'm, and then I had, to go sci- I had to go study the science of well-being to figure it out, right? So uh, I love that. <laughs> well, you'll laugh like- because I did, this, I did the graduate degree in a year. It's a two-year program. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to do it in a year. And I'm like, wow, here you go again. You know, it's like, how about pacing? <laughs> How about, you know, so, so it's kind of funny. I'm like, when I was writing my dissertation, I reached out to my friend uh, in Scotland because it's distance learning. And I said, how is it that I'm studying the science of well-being and (laughs) I am not well, I'm not well, you know? Yeah. And you know, I have a really, really incredible therapist. And she said this thing to me and I've been with her for many, many years. And she said this thing to me once where, when I was kind of like coming to terms with this, you know, really having disordered thinking, like, which is what OCD is, is is like, well, I was really struggling to accept that, like, I could struggle with something like this. And she was like, well, do you think you're better than other people? And I was like, no, oh my God, no, you know, like, yes. And she was like, well, then why on earth are you like, look at the self-criticism that's happening here. And just the way that she framed it for me was really helpful because she was like, well, you must. Yeah. She was like, you must think you're like above it all if, if you're judging yourself this harshly for it. So that's been, it was a, it was the beginning for me of, of the turnaround of this. Like, okay, well, what does it mean to accept? And what does it mean not to judge? And can I really love other people enough to help them if I'm, if I am being so self-critical? And, and so that's where like all of these other strengths that when I saw the array of them, I was like, oh, wow, that's really cool. I see myself in a lot of these things. And I see like turning my curiosity about I mean, literally everything. I would, I will go on a good five-hour Google just to find out any information about anything I'm interested in. Yes. But like turning that curiosity inward, turning that like love of learning about, like turning it into my myself, like learning about myself. Yes, so. beautiful. Mm-hmm. And the fact that oh, you, you're, you're giving yourself that space and time. And I do think that sometimes it takes going to a whole nother part of the world to get to really know who you are for better, for worse. Right. I I mean, I've had a lot of a reflective alone time. It can be, you know, I I have met friends here, but there were times and there are times that you, you, you feel a little lonely, you know, cause you are around the, nobody's awake in California, you know, half the day. And, you know, so it's, it's, you know, it's, you know, you do feel, you can feel alone and, it, but it's in those, those spaces where you really start to get to know yourself and, and, um, as uncomfortable as it is sometimes. And yeah, I think that that, yeah, that, I mean, I, I, I'm still processing what I've been learning, you know, and it, and it's hard because it's, in fact, I was going to do a, a podcast, another one called the Swiss Mrs. Show. And I have one episode because I couldn't get past the first episode because it's, I'm learning as I'm going and I'm trying to you know, it'll come up and I think I'll still do it, but it's just, it, the learning is happening at such a rapid pace that, you know, I, 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 it's hard for me to synthesize it. Right. Does that make mm-hmm. sense? Yeah, it does. It does. Yeah. It's well, and there's this other thing, there's this like, and I'm, I'm glad you brought that up, but I, you know, when I'm, when you're working in a counseling capacity with other people, you're, you're giving them this, like, here, try this, <laughs> try this, you know, like, 
what about this? Let me help you figure out what you need to figure out to do, to get to your place that you want to get to. And if you're not like doing that too, it can be as genuine. You can be as genuine as you want with someone, right? But like there's, there's theory, there's knowledge, there's, you know, academic knowledge. And then there's like putting it into practice. It's the same way with parenting. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. (laughs) I know what I want to do. Yes. Doing it in the hard moments that is, that takes takes. the courage. Yes. So much. Yeah. So much. Well, I really (laughs) thank you for sharing all of your amazing strengths with us. And I can see how you, how you use them in the Netherlands and and you have (laughs) them through all of the challenges that you have gone through. And thank you for your vulnerability and for sharing them because, you know, it's through this, the sharing that others can, can learn and be okay with themselves with uh, challenges. And so thank you for that. Thank you. Thank you for saying that. I think that's the the greatest thing you can hope for when you're out loud about what you're struggling with is that, that it, that it makes other people comfortable. Exactly. Exactly. To share their own. 100%. So with that, you know, what advice would you have for our audience? Like, or, or what would be your key action item? I mean, we already know if anybody's in the mental health or passionate about mental health, you know, we are at a call to action is like, what can we do to change this? I don't know the answer right now, but the second, you know, action item based on your experience and what you've learned, what would be your key component? Well, I mean, I think so. I think we've talked a lot about courage today and that's sort of like what resonates with me about the song and sort of about this whole experience, but it comes in so many forms, right? Like we talk sometimes in in the mental health space about trauma, big T trauma, little T trauma, but I, I would say like everybody has something going on, right? So if you are trying to live in a, like live in a, a value of courage, if that's something you want to do for yourself, like make a list of like little C and big C things that would be courageous acts for yes. you. And like the way to it, just pick one and work on it, you know, even yes. if it's a little thing, like, you know, in the, in the throes of an OCD spike, sometimes like all of the courage I can muster is like, is getting up and doing more than the bare minimum, right? Like brush my right. teeth, take a shower yes, and, and like do, do something for myself. That yes. is an act of love for myself. That's courageous. Mm-hmm. It may be little C to some people, and then there's like the big C here with the obvious one being like, yes, I will drop my life in one place and move it completely to another place. Yes. So just any, anything that like, but you got to kind of dig into it. So the, I guess the call to action or the, the thing you, I would recommend people do if they're trying to live more in courage is, is make a list of the things that would be courageous, little and small, I mean, little and big yes. and, and choose one to work on. Yes. Love that. Beautiful, like wonderful example. And I think that's something, an action item for all of us to do. And I'm, I'm thinking my, my, my wheels are turning in my mind of the sea, all the different seas. Yeah. And I definitely think that I'm going back to German today. So I go back to that takes a lot of, that's a big C. Studying German <laughs> is a big C, no matter what, no matter if you're in the most supportive environment, German, just in general, that just requires a big C. I'm with you. Dutch as well. Dutch oh, as well. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Learning a new language, it's humbling. Here's my C's though. Here would be a small C. Like I know how to order my coffee and definitely know how to order my Weisswein, you know, in German. So mm-hmm. I will start to use my German. It takes such courage because you know I'm going to get, I'm not going to conjugate the second verb at the end of the sentence. 
you know, or I'm not going to do the first one properly or something's going to happen. And then they're going to speak back to me in English and that's fine. But, uh, (laughs) but I know they do the same thing. here. It's about trying, right? It's about, it's about trying. It's about showing up for yourself the way you would show up for other people. Yes. A hundred percent. (laughs) So this is also the, the part of the show where we get to share a little bit about your favorite. I know you were just, you weren't even alive in the eighties, but I was. Okay. You were. Bit, All right. Yeah. I'm sorry. Not my math is not my strong suit. Same girl. You were a baby. You're mere baby in the eighties. But what would be looking back, you know, or since then, what would be something that, that you really love the most about the eighties, I guess you could say trend wise or people wise. Mm. So I, I really love the, the concept of like high low dressing. I'm really inspired by it, like pairing really sophisticated structured pieces or nice nice pieces with something that's a lot more casual. And I think, you know, Princess Diana really kind of set the stage for that. And so she's definitely my favorite person of the 80s. Ah, Princess Diana and Mr. Rogers. I think like Mr. Rogers less for his style and more for his style (laughs) of of being present with people. I should have said him from the beginning. No, Princess Diana was incredible. And I just like the way that she was, I mean, she was kind, but she was also cheeky. Like she was really rebellious. She was but very like present with people. She said so much with what she did with what she wore. Mm-hmm. And I think that's probably my favorite style yes. thing about the 80s. Yeah. Yeah. That's <laughs> well, you picked an amazing, I mean, what an icon. And and I'll have to say that yeah. we, we were talking a little bit about this prior to the, you know, the show, but just that living in Switzerland and and you living in the Netherlands, it, you know, it's interesting. I ha- I do follow the royals a bit more <laughs> than I did before. Yeah. Yeah, I do. I mean, I do too. It's a, it's a lot more of a thing here than it is at, I guess, in the States that, that I experienced. I mean, yes. I definitely watched the Royal Wedding from like my bedroom back in the day in my like yes. apartment in Baltimore, yes. Maryland. Like I remember sitting there and watching the Royal Wedding, but in terms of like people are really invested in this part of the world. And yes. also, you know, dressing well is a, a much it's like a much more important part of culture. I mean, I, I wouldn't say like that Dutch people really necessarily care what you wear, but yes. you don't like, I try not to wear leggings to, to school drop off. I'll put it 100%. that way because like nobody does it. Nobody, nobody does, it. does it. Nobody. They do it when they're actually working out. And I'm like, really? I just didn't feel like wearing pants with buttons today. <laughs> people even change after they work out. Like, no, I yeah. mean, I, and I, and I walked back out with my leggings on because I lived in California and that's, you know, it's like, no, I'm going to go home and shower and do my whole thing. But no, no, people full on have an outfit that they transition to the street in. And I'm mm-hmm. still, I haven't been able to jump on that one. I mean, I've thought about it, but I'm like, well, what would I put on over my leggings? And, you know, but it's so fascinating. It's so, but it I don't pick up my kids in leggings either. I, you know, if I go to the doctor's office, I'm wearing a nice outfit, you know? Yeah. And it's just, I mean, it's part of the culture, but like, there's another little C thing, right? Like, so it also though, I will say once I started doing it and wearing less, um, like athleisure and not to fit in, but just because I want to integrate into the culture and like, I don't think anybody would really care. Like, I don't care if some Dutch person in line at the, you know, like hates my leggings. I don't care. But what I will say is doing it makes you feel good. It is a way to help me show up for myself. To like yeah. do it, wear your nice sweater and your jeans and your, you know, like yes. wear things that look good on you. It feels good. Yes. Like it is. So that's an act of courage in itself. <laughs> it's true. No, it's absolutely true. By the way, everybody, you have to, have to 
follow Maggie on TikTok <laughs> because she talks a lot about the differences in from what she misses from the US, you know, and or things that she does not miss from the US. And so it's M, it's at MJ underscore abroad. And that's on TikTok. But check it out, everybody. Like it's it made me laugh out loud. It, you know, that's why I I had to reach out to you on TikTok to bring you on board. You. But I had no idea that we had so much in common. Just and yeah. it was so fascinating. This is why I started this making TikTok videos, which you know, I started like I initially started doing this on YouTube, but it felt too serious and it felt too disconnected and it felt too much like I had to be some sort of expert in something that I was sharing like guidance. And I'm just trying to talk about things that I think are funny or interesting, yes. yes. you know, and, and then, you know, TikTok, like I didn't initially think I would ever use that app because so many of my students used it and I'm like, yeah. you know, older or whatever, but I actually really like it. It's very free spirited place. If yeah. you stay away from all of the crazy, crazy stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, maybe just uh, as closing, you know, what, you know, what things do you miss from the U.S.? unequivocally my people. So yes. I mean, that is a silly thing to say. I mean, maybe it's an obvious one. But like, I think the hardest thing for me about being here is is missing out on like the everyday lives of my nieces and nephews. My siblings were very close. We all lived within like 10 minutes of each other, 15 minutes of each other. Same thing with my mom. So and my friends, like I have I have the best group of girlfriends that I you could imagine, like the just the people the, the kind of friends that you imagine really wanting as like a, a young person, like, will I have this one day? And I have it. And I'm so grateful for it. But it's hard. It's hard to be away from them. Yes. So other like less serious things I miss include dill pickles, which I yeah. have started making myself. <laughs> I miss Target every once in a while. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's, there's, in, it's this interesting thing, because I, I miss convenience. But I also am really grateful not to have life as convenient as it was. And I talk about that in, I think, the video that you're referencing, which I've pinned at the top of my page because it's like the okay. one with the most views or whatever. But yes. yeah, I miss the convenience. And also, I'm glad not to have it. It's strange. It's a weird <laughs> thing. Like I'm cooking more than I ever had before. Whereas in California, I could get a green salad, you know, and a, the yes. juice and this and that. Like it was so easy. I, I really didn't cook that. I didn't have to cook that much, you know. But now yeah. you're, you know, going back to having time to reflect to yourself and thinking about, for instance, on I would have said, oh, I miss things being open all the time. On Sundays, yeah. Switzerland's completely closed. Like, yeah. you know, you can go to the mountains Same. and, yeah. you know, and things like that, but you can't go shopping. You can't. Yeah. Now you've got to do all your shopping prior to Sunday and then everything is closed at seven. So there's no late night shopping except for at the train station. So you know, yeah. it's just, it's, it's, you know, we've gotten, gotten accustomed to it. So now I have like my farm, local farms, farmy, you know, delivers on, on Friday or Saturday for the weekend, yeah. you know, so I'm, I'm learning how to do that. But the, but the beauty of that is on Sundays, you know, even if we're not doing anything, we're doing nothing together, you know, like it's so much easier to be present here in your life. Like it is unbelievable. And the, just like the way that top down the culture values quality time over almost anything else is, you know, there are things that are difficult about that when you come from the States, because you're used to just getting whatever you need or want whenever you need or want it. And that's frustrating, because we all yeah. like our creature comforts. But what it allows you to do is just like be. And yes. I don't I don't know that I really knew how to do that before. I no. really, honest to God, I'm not sure I did. 
it's learning a different way of being and um, it lends itself to healing. Yes. It really does. And I mean, there are definitely other things that I miss about the States. I think like I miss mountains. I mean, they have some small mountains in the Netherlands, but it's not, you know, it's not like I miss the Appalachian mountains, you know, I miss like. I understand that. But you know, Switzerland's not that far away from you. No, it's not. (laughs) And we have a lot of mountains here. (laughs) You do have a lot of mountains. There is an overnight train, I think. Exactly. I need to go to the Netherlands too. So yeah, um, come to Amsterdam. Yeah, (laughs) I gotta. I know. I gotta go check that out. I have not been yet. My my son has though. He went with school last year. They did uh, a tour, a boat tour, a sailing or something like that. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. There's so much to explore here. Like I, I just went to Rotterdam for the first time. I live outside Ooh. of Amsterdam, not in a, in like close to Amsterdam, but not in it. And I, I hadn't been that far South and it was such a cool experience. I went with friends for a birthday. Yes. Um, funny enough, like a, a person I went to college with who I found on like a Facebook parenting group and was, Amazing. I reached out to her and was like, Hey, do you remember me from college? Yes. And she was like, yeah. And now we've become friends. And I'm super grateful for that because she introduced me to other friends. So that's the other thing. Like sometimes you just need one connection to hold on to, right? Yes. Like one person who yeah. who can make, make it feel like, oh, well, I can home. see myself making this feel like home. It takes some time though. And that's, that's hard. It is. It does take time. And it's um, lonely. Like there's just no, there's no other way. You have to like, like being alone, I think in some capacity, if you're going to yeah. do this. Absolutely. A hundred percent. No, I agreed. And like you said, just even just one person can make that difference. You know, I remember the first couple of weeks we were here, I didn't talk to anybody, but my family, you know, and yeah. thank God for them. Cause I don't know what I would have done. You know, I remember going, you know, meeting a friend of a friend of a friend who lived in Lucerne and she just changed everything for me. Just having that one person you know, to, to share and to talk to and to have in the city to call if I, you know, to have coffee or what have you. It, it made all the difference in the world, you know? Well, this has been an absolute pleasure to talk to you today. Yeah, it has. Thank, Thank you so you. much. And like I said, audience, we have our marching orders, little C's and big C's. Exactly. <laughs> and, uh, and I'll be practicing that today uh, with my German. And then, <laughs> and then secondly, follow Maggie. And that's again, that's at MJ underscore abroad and find her on TikTok and, and you will be pleasantly surprised and amused. So yeah, come join the crew. Thank you. <laughs> thank thank you. you, Maggie, for your vulnerability and for sharing your story today. And I think it's important for people to know that they're not alone. And, and I thank you for, for sharing that. Of course. Thank you for having me. It was a pleasure. To have yes. You. Well, until next time. All right. Bye. Thank you so much for listening. We want to hear from you. First of all, tell us how these totally rad stories have inspired you. If you have a story with an 80 song inspiration, we want to hear it. You think this podcast is like totally tubular? Well, we would love your review. Stay connected with us on Podopolo and download the app today. Visit me at www patriciafreiberg.com. Thank you. And we look forward to a double boost of inspiration next Motivational Music Monday.